Oh, this, I like how the spray dog episode turned into like <laughs> side too. note spider facts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, spiders uh, are cool. Don't squish them. Nomadic cowbirds and poking the puffballs. I like turtles. And lightsaber frog calls. Fresh steamy scat filled with persimmon seeds. Hi. Hi. My name's Rachel. And my name's Nicole. We are from the Great Plains Nature Center, and you're listening to That's My Favorite, the podcast where we geek out with naturalists like Nicole, who today is going to be sharing about one of her favorite things. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about prairie dogs, because they're super cool, and they're my favorite. Maybe. I don't know. I was going to say my favorite mammal in (sighs) Kansas, but like... You like pronghorns. I love pronghorns. Yeah. I kind of want to fight you over the pronghorn topic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I feel like we made a pact at the very beginning that I would do owls and you would do pronghorns or something. Because we were fighting over both of those. That sounds accurate. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? I got the first mammal on the podcast. Can you Whoa. believe that? We've only been doing slimy boys and trees. That's not fair. <laughs> and diseases. Okay. I was going to say, Alan definitely talked about deer and yeah. stuff, even though they weren't the main subject yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah. the diseases okay. episode included mammals but this is the first time it's just been about mammals which is like i feel like saying a lot about us i think you're right <laughs> because it it almost makes it seem like we tend to really like kind of the underdog yes. dudes that that people don't always yell and scream about like everybody loves possums yeah. we could do an opossum episode but everybody already likes them it's way mm-hmm. more interesting to talk about prairie dogs yeah that everybody hates. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Everybody hates them. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, there is a lot of controversy around them. Um, a lot of it stems from a lot of mis- misconceptions, honestly. Like, I researched a little bit about this um, just so that, like, I could not just say it's a misconception without yeah. a little bit of proof <laughs> behind it. Um, but one of the things that people hate the most about them is that theoretically they could be like out competing cattle um on ranches Uh, for grazing for resources yeah Yeah. but um they eat different things and the prairie dog is only really clearing like a fairly small area right around its burrow Mm -hmm. like it's not like they just like group up by the thousands and like graze across a pasture if they did that then yeah i would say there probably might be competition for cattle but they don't do that (laughs) like they stay pretty close to their burrows Mm -hmm. and i guess if your entire ranch was a prairie dog burrow you might have problems but if you just have like a a little corner (laughs) yeah a prairie dog burrow a prairie dog town is the more correct term for a group of prairie dogs um but yeah a lot of people think that they outcompete their cattle and i read one uh article that got a little sassy and was like you know (laughs) How did bison live beside prairie dogs for thousands of years, but now cattle can't? Bison are way bigger than cattle. So, I mean, if prairie dogs can live beside uh, bison, they should be able to live beside cattle. Oh, yeah, totally. And isn't it true that um, pre, well, not, God, I almost said prehistoric, pre-colonization, back Mm -hmm. when they were like, you know, all over the entire, the the Great Plains were just pockmarked by prairie dog burrows. Large grazing ungulates would be attracted to 
prairie dog burrows, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of animals that are attracted to prairie dog burrows because um, those prairie dogs, um, they are a lot of times eating stuff that they don't want to eat, so they're not competing with them directly. And all of those little tiny eyes and all those little tiny yipping mouths are really good alert systems for predators. So, yeah. like, it's helpful to have someone watching your back. Yeah. So. And aren't they, like, just basically fertilizing all the grass? Yeah. That's constantly oh, yeah. being munched down to grow yes. fresh sprouts? Yes. Oh, yeah. baby. Yeah. That, I found a really cool article. I didn't go into depth because that's not what I want to talk about. But oh. oh, my no, bad. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> it's fine. It's really cool because um, they've done a lot of research on, like, how prairie dogs change the landscape and things like that. After prairie dogs have been eating, the heterogeneity – what's the non-science word for that? The, the patchwork – no. The, like there's there's more species of forbs and grasses and everything else. Okay. Um, in a, like around a prairie dog burrow compared to a, like just like out in a random field. Mm-hmm. Um, like they increase the species ri- richness of an area due to their grazing habits. Ooh. Like significantly. Like I don't remember what the exact um, numbers numbers yeah. Statistics was the fancy (laughs) word I was looking for there. I don't remember the exact statistics that were listed in the paper, but, like, it was crazy. Like, stupid high numbers. Just way more different kinds of everything. That's really cool. And that's – is that – just for plants or is it also for I guess it would be for animals too because yeah. more diverse plants means more mm-hmm. diverse animals that would yep. be using it yep absolutely and that's insects to birds to large mammals like because if you have a lot of insects you have a lot of different kinds of birds and it it all is connected like yeah sick so cool so what did you want to talk about <laughs> so my absolute favorite thing about prairie dogs uh-huh. is their communication system yes Oh, I'm so glad that's where you wanted to go. Okay, let's let's go. I'm so here for this. Um, So there's this uh, Dr. Khan Slobodjikov. Maybe that's how you say his name. Flawless. You can really tell that you spent hours listening to his name on YouTube before this. I really did. Because he has an amazing, like, 11-minute video on YouTube um, that, like, just goes – it just breaks down his research that he's been Mm -hmm. doing for, like, 25 years. And I'm going to, like – talk about it but not quite as in depth because he goes like way in depth Mm -hmm. um and he has a book out and i want it so bad but it's like 50 dollars. so listeners if you want to buy me a 50 dollar (laughs) book it's called prairie dogs it was written in or published in 2009 by dr konstabajikov have fun spelling that i'll spell it for you if it means that you'll buy me a book (laughs) (laughs) you can mail nicole's book to 6232 east 29th street north wichita kansas 67220 yes perfect um, but yeah, if you, somebody wants to buy me a book, I will totally read it cover to cover because it looks so good. And his this 11-minute video is going over like one chapter in his book. That's it? Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah. I think I've seen the video that you're probably, probably. going to talk about. I don't know if he has very many others. I think I've only seen his like jump yip compilation of yes. pups, which is really <laughs> freaking cute. But like that video, I watched it too, and it mm-hmm. blew my mind. It's and I so tried cool. to use it in as many programs as physically possible because it's just like yes 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 the first time (laughs) I watched it I was just like oh my gosh this is amazing because I always knew that they had a pretty complicated language system but 
it goes like way farther than we ever thought before. Mm-hmm. And it's it's according to admittedly Dr. Konstobodikov, who's a little bit biased, let's be real. He's been oh, studying yeah. paradox for 25 years. But he says that it's the most complicated language in the world as far as animal languages go. So more complicated than dogs or dolphins or whales or these animals or primates mm-hmm. that we think have a really complicated language system, like theirs blows that out of the water. Yeah. And like each yip is equivalent to like a human sentence. So explain what a yip is to us, Nicole. Because so, what if somebody has no idea what the heck a prairie dog like, even is? Yes, or yes, like, okay. so prairie dogs are little tiny mammal squirrel. Like, yes, um, but it, but it doesn't have like a squirrel tail. So I feel like that's misleading. It's a ground squirrel. It is. It is a ground squirrel. But they look nothing. I don't know. They, they, they totally like have other... squirrel faces, though. <laughs> Nicole's giving me the most exasperated look. <laughs> I think prairie dogs are way cuter than squirrels. I didn't say oh. that they weren't cuter than, oh, okay. or that they were cuter than squirrels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not contesting their cuteness. Okay, 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 sorry. Just how would you describe okay. a squirrel? Okay. A squirrel or a how, prairie dog? How would you describe a prairie dog, Nicole? <laughs> okay, prairie dogs are about like 12 to 14 inches long, and they have just like a two to three inch long tail. Like, I want people to understand that it's a large-ish log. <laughs> like they're just a log of an animal. Okay. They're so fat and they have just like this tiny little tail. It's not like a big fluffy squirrel tail. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to make that clear. But they use that tail a lot in communication. Mm-hmm. And so far, um, we haven't really been able to figure out exactly what all of the tail flagging is what it's called means. Um, a lot of times they seem to just do it when they're excited. They'll use tail flagging sometimes when they're communicating verbally and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. So like, are they saying something different? We don't know. It's, it's, their, their language is so complicated. That's so cool. And we're just like barely diving into it and like breaking it apart. Um, but Dr. Khan Slobodjikov, he has looked at mostly predator calls mm-hmm. um, and found out that they have different calls for different kinds of predators. So they have a call that he knows of, at least, for a red-tailed hawk, which is just like a really, really short little yip noise, um, a human has a special call and dogs and coyotes have special calls mm. and they never confuse a dog for a coyote or a coyote for a dog. Like they always give the dog alarm call when they see a dog and they always give the coyote alarm call when they see a coyote. So they can like differentiate between two different types of dogs. Yes. Even, yeah. And even they did um, studies in the lab. These, these studies were in the field, but they did studies in the lab as well where they took different breeds of dogs mm-hmm. and they recognized it like as a dog, but then just further um, described the animal as, like, short or tall or skinny or fat. But, like, oh they still God. gave the dog alarm call. So they're like, that's a dog and not a coyote or a different species. Like, mm-hmm. that is a dog. Like, they recognize it even though, like, you're comparing, like, a German shepherd to, like, I don't know what else they use. Not a German shepherd. <laughs> not a German shepherd. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. That's just, like, crazy. Like, some people can't even tell a dog from a coyote. And it's really amazing that they can do that, considering that, you know, even like human children, if your your child grows up around cats um, and it goes to like the friend's house and they have a dog, they're probably going to call that dog a cat <gasps> just because like you're, it has. You're right. You're yeah. so right. Like I've literally seen kids do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's really cool. I mean, like it makes sense to the kid because they don't know any different. Like it has four legs. It has a tail. It's in a house and, and it's a pet. So like, duh, it's a cat. But no, it's a dog. And these are the reasons why it's different. 
kids. And, like, so even, like, human children can't even, like, distinguish between, like, different species or di- even different breeds. Like, if someone's used to, like, a pug, they probably aren't going to recognize that a German Shepherd is, like, also a dog. Or they'll think it's just, like, a real weird one. But, like, prairie dogs, they just know. They're like, that is a dog and that is a coyote. Oh, that's so cool. Super you know cool. how people say that parrots are the equivalent of three-year-olds or something? <laughs> yes. The prairie dogs have a more advanced understanding of language and concepts yes. than toddlers. Yeah. They're like a five-year-old or oh, something. I don't know. <laughs> take that, African greys. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea where they compare like uh, no. to human children. But, but it's amazing you know. that they can distinctly yes. make a separation between animals that toddlers even struggle yeah. with, like human-brained yes. organisms. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely. Which is a child, I guess. <laughs> Small humans with human brains yes. that can use language that's literally human language can not do the things prairie dogs can do yeah. with their little barks. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, the black-tailed prairie dog is the one that we have here in Kansas, but there's actually five different species of prairie dogs. Mm. Um, so there's the black-tailed prairie dog that used to take up the entire Midwest, but now does not. Um, oh. <laughs> um, and then there's a the Mexican prairie dog that okay. lives in Mexico. Go wow. Uh, the Utah prairie dog lives in Utah. Wow. Um, Gunnison's, yes. Yeah, they're like only in Utah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a really small population. Huh. Yeah. Um, the Gunnison's Prairie Dog, which lives um, in Colorado, kind of the Four Corners area. Okay. Um, white-tailed Prairie Dog lives somewhere. I don't actually remember. <laughs> okay. Somewhere west. Who knows? West of Kansas. Uh, yep, west of Kansas. <laughs> um, and so he's uh, – We've, there's also been hypothesis behind, you know, do these different prairie dog species communicate with each other? And Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. oh boy. Okay, this so, is exciting. The most – we don't know for sure. That's a short answer. <gasps> okay. But um, Konstabodjikov mm-hmm. theorizes that no, um, they speak different languages. It's kind of like how s- somebody might speak English versus Spanish versus Portuguese. Um, they cannot understand each other. Mm-hmm. And even within each paradox species, there will be dialects. So okay. someone from New York versus someone from, you know, Louisiana. It's... <laughs> It's weird. They I don't just know. have slight variations. Or yeah. You probably can understand them if you're a southern prairie dog. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And like we've found that with um, whales and dolphins and owls and yeah. like lots of different animals have regional dialects. Um, but considering especially that prairie dogs don't really have that wide of a range, mm. it's, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. If you only exist in Utah to have a dialect within <laughs> your language, is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And maybe the Utah ones don't have dialects. Oh, okay. But like the Gunnison's <laughs> and yeah. yeah, the black-tailed prairie dogs that have a little bit wider of a range, they do have very distinct dialects. Is the black-tailed prairie dog the most widespread then in the yes. North America? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Historically and uh, currently, they okay. are the most widespread. Still only take up like 4% of their native range. Oh. Like, but, or historic range, rather. Yeah, right. Um, which sucks. But I'm sure you're maybe get into why that sucks at some point. But if not, that's fine. I mean Y'all can Google it. <laughs> yeah. I mean it just sucks because like like we said earlier, they they change the landscape. Like they are a keystone species. Right. Um and their burrows are home. Like there's been studies at least two hundred different animals um use their burrows, like are highly associated with their burrows. Mm-hmm. Um and need those systems. Right. And that's anywhere, again, from insects to birds to whatever else. 
I think um, either last year or the year before, I read an article about Illinois having to install artificial burrowing owl burrows oh. in places like la- old landfills and stuff because there were no prairie dogs to provide habitat wow. for them anymore. That's like, crazy. Yeah, there's movements to install artificial prey dog burrows because we can't replace the work they do and so many yeah. animals rely on them. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't that so sad? That is. <laughs> there's um, a tern also that heavily relies on a them. A tern? A tern, yeah. I can't what? remember what it was. Okay, not a turn, a mountain plover. A mountain plover. A mountain plover. So, a plover. Thank you. Thank you. A plover. plover. We are plover lovers here at the Nature (laughs) Center. (laughs) Um, Which are still birds that you highly associate with water. So, you know, typically most plovers are highly associated with water, but these guys actually like um, areas of sparse or even bare vegetation, so like straight up bare ground. Mm. Um, and that is why they really like prairie dog colonies, because those prairie dog colonies are keeping that grass mode nice and short. Um, the plovers move in and they can see all around them and look for predators and things like that. The prairie dogs um, are also adding a defense of their own, since if they see something, they're going to yell and squeak and, you know, the plover knows he needs to get away. So. Nice. Do the plovers speak prairie dog? <laughs> it's I not mean, a crazy question. No, it's not. Not at all. Um, and honestly, I don't know. And I don't know that there's ever been, like, research into that. But I imagine, you know, if you hear a bunch of noises and then all the prairie dogs leave, that's probably a pretty good indication that something <laughs> is wrong. So. Yeah. Yeah, they might not know that, like, they're saying, oh, there's a human or, oh, there's a dog or a coyote. Mm -hmm. But they at least recognize that, like, this really sharp bark means that something is wrong. Yeah. And that's, like, not unprecedented. No, there's a lot of animals that do this. Absolutely. Like, uh, safety in numbers, all that fun jazz. Yeah. So... That's really cool. (laughs) When you said that that bird had an association with prairie dogs, Mm -hmm. I was picturing something burrowing owl-like where it was inside the burrow. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of pleased that that wasn't the case. Yeah, just like another bird in there. (laughs) Yeah, all these birds crammed underground. Well, because if there was another bird crammed underground, how did I not know about it? Yeah, come on. You call yourself a bird lover. You don't even know. know. (laughs) Are they... With the prairie dogs during breeding season, then are they like raising chicks with them? Or yes, okay, yeah, they okay. make their nests in the prairie dog colonies. Oh, yeah. so yeah. the prairie dogs are watching out for the baby plovers, yeah. whether or not they know it. Mm, yeah, and it's they've been like highly uh, associated with prairie dog uh, colonies, and these these plovers are decreasing across their range. I was going to ask. Mm. Yeah, and the like the more prairie dog. All right. The less prairie dogs that are around mm-hmm. means less plov- plovers, at least mountain plovers. So, gosh, why do I keep just going back and forth? Because <laughs> it's only natural. <laughs> You've been conditioned to say plover the wrong way, know, and it takes a while to recondition yourself. Yes, yes, yes. I will <laughs> try my best going forward. Uh, but, yeah, I just I just think it's really cool because that is a bird that, like, is very much associated with water, and they're just found nowhere near water. Not, like, lakes, yeah. nothing. No right. water at all. That's so, insane to me. Yeah. Super cool. Oh. Another common misconception with prairie dogs is that their burrows are tripping hazards for cattle. I've heard that one, actually, yeah. And <laughs> I just... That seems extremely unlikely and admittedly even if it's extremely unlikely if there's even a chance i can understand not wanting to risk like a multi-hundred dollar animal (laughs) Um, sure yeah i get that 
But I just can't imagine that, like, it happens with any frequency. But I'm not a cattle rancher, so I could be wrong. And there's a lot of different reasons as to why they've uh, lost a lot of their uh, historic range. One is uh, land land use changes. So humans converting their land to cities and farmland. Yeah. um, As well as just uh, various diseases. I cannot talk today. It's okay. Eventually we'll get there. Yeah. It's easy to edit out little silences while we figure out words. They also have a lot of problems with various diseases, um, such as plague, which is scary, and absolutely decimates prairie dog colonies. Now, just because I know that some listeners are sitting down thinking, the plague? Like, (laughs) the plague? Nicole, I would like for you to clarify. Are we talking about the plague? It's it's sylvatic plague. So I think it's similar, isn't it? Yeah, sylvatic plague, yeah. I think, is an invasive species from another, from Europe, maybe? Yeah. Um, but they also have bubonic plague. Yeah, I guess. Which is like the plague. The plague. So <laughs> yeah, they're like related. So yeah, yeah. we are talking about the plague yeah essentially variants on it yeah Yeah. like it's it's very very similar and it it really does just decimate these colonies um but as long as you're not going out in a prairie dog colony and like kissing prairie dogs you'll be fine (laughs) they will bite your face so don't do that okay um wildlife biologist nicole brown says don't kiss prairie dogs yeah even though they actually like to be kissed right by other prairie dogs Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> They're highly social. They're absolutely highly social um, and groom and play with each other constantly um, and communicate with all sorts of different kinds of uh, noises. And you mentioned mm-hmm. the jump yip earlier. Yeah. Um, so that is only a black-tailed prairie dog <gasps> communication system. As no. I think it's the black-tailed prairie dog and the Mexican prairie dog are the only ones that do this and nobody knows why um and nobody knows what it means um it seems like mostly it's just like an excited like i'm so excited i just gotta jump up right now like Mm -hmm. they just can't handle it what they're getting (laughs) excited about who knows um but yeah there doesn't seem to be like the reason why um dr khan sabajikov like focused on alarm calls Mm -hmm. is that you know it's it's very obvious what's going on it sees a predator it makes a noise it runs away right but Whenever it does the jump yet, they just continue standing there. So it's hard to say what they're trying to say. Yeah, and it. there's, like, no context of, like, another yes. prey dog's doing a certain thing or there's a predator over there, clearly, that's causing a reaction. Yes, the so. lack of context and, like, any kind of, like, reaction mm-hmm. makes it almost impossible to figure out what the heck they're trying to say. What does a jump yip sound like, Nicole? <laughs> I keep trying to make you do prey dog calls, and you've avoided it so far this oh, whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it just sounds like... Is that a yip? Yes. Yep. I don't know. That's what it sounds like. Do you want me Beautiful. to play one? Yes. Um, I don't have any jump yips recorded, but I do have um, a captive prairie dog just making some cute noises. Oh, perfect. Let's listen to some prairie dog noises. There is currently a prairie dog down at the Kansas Wildlife Exhibit. I was hanging out with her, and she got excited, and she started screaming at me. So this is her <laughs> screaming at me. <laughs> Ooh. So that's 
what a prairie dog sounds like. You've never Aww. heard a prairie dog before. And again, they make a lot of different noises. So that's just one noise. I don't really know what it meant because I'm not Dr. Konosobodjikov. I'm sure if he was there, he'd have been like, oh, she wants food or something. I don't know. He would have just known somehow. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what the heck she was trying to tell me. Yeah. But it was pretty cute. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> now, okay, one thing that kind of strikes me as just freaking insane about mm-hmm. this whole thing is that you said in a single yip, it's like the equivalent of a sentence. Yes. So like one of those little yips would have information about what kind of animal it was. Like it's a dog and also it's a short dog. Yes. It's a blue dog. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're like describing, um, one of the experiments that he did was <laughs> he sent, um, like grad students out to the <laughs> field wearing different colors of shirts. Um, so the prairie dog would notice that it was a human, if it was a tall or a short human, um, and then also the color of shirt that they wore. So the, the, whenever the same person would go out into the field wearing a blue shirt versus a red shirt versus a green shirt or whatever color, just part of the call would change describing mm. the color of the shirt, but it would still say human, tall, blue, human, tall, green, or, you know, whatever. So so how did they decode those parts of the call when, like, to our ears, it just sounds like a yip? Yeah. Like, they must have analyzed it yes. with something. Yes. Yeah. He has um, some kind of a computer program that he ran all those noises through and compared them very scientifically I don't do noises. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. That's why I just watch YouTube videos explaining it Mm -hmm. Um, or read books. Wink, wink. (laughs) So yeah, but he does have a special machine that's you know slowing down the noise and comparing them and noticing that like you know fifty percent of the call is the same. It's just like this one little tidbit that's changing. Yeah, which is describing the color of the shirt. Sure, and obviously it would have to be like consistent across. Yes. This, the whole study and stuff, and that's how they would know. Yes, yeah. And he mostly worked with uh, Gunnison's prairie dogs. Oh. So it might be slightly different for black-tailed prairie dogs or Mexican Mexican prairie dogs or Utah prairie dogs. Um, Interesting. But, I, said I, didn't, I didn't even realize it was uh, not the black-tailed ones mm-hmm. he was studying. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> cool. So because he, he does all of his – he works out in Arizona. So he works mm. at – wrote it down oh he's a faculty member at northern arizona university so okay. he did all of his studies um out in the desert so we don't black tailed prairie dogs are not out there they got gunnisons so gotcha. <laughs> um it's fairly safe to assume that most of the prairie dog species kind of work the same um it'd be weird for only one of them to have like a really complex language. Yeah, I would think so too. <laughs> so yeah. And he has, he has done a little bit of research with all of them. Um, but as far as like bringing them back to the lab and all of those really in depth research, um, those were all Gunnison's. Mm. So, and another lab study that he did was he actually like showed them like a black circle or a blue triangle. So shapes Ooh. and colors that they would not you know, come across in the wild and the prairie dogs made up new words to describe these shapes that's and were consistent. So cool. I kept and the new words. Yes. Oh, that's really, really cool. So cool. That's, I mean, it's not just cool. Like that's a sign of like a higher level of thinking that we yeah. usually reserve for, I don't know how we qualify animal in- or quantify animal yeah. intelligence, but like. would expect that from a chimp. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Insane amount of language skills. Definitely. Yeah. I love them. It's so cool. Like, <laughs> and fun. we'll 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 link that video, um, that YouTube video, on the show notes, of course. We can um, just embed it. Yeah. So, because it's it's amazing. It, it, it's like eleven minutes long, and it's so worth it. Because, oh my gosh, 
I want to meet this guy. He's so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Arizona's like be, not that far. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Imagine being one of those grad students and like, right? Hey, Pedro, the gray dog. Yeah, my shirt's blue today. What you gotta <laughs> say about that? Yes, I, I can't imagine. Just like, because I feel like all they did was like walk through the prairie dog town, like do 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 do, and just <laughs> recorded some calls. Yeah. Like, I don't. This seems like a really fun and kind of laid back job that they might not have been paid for. I feel like most of those field jobs <laughs> sound really romantic unless but, you're actually like out in the desert wandering around prairie dog towns and you're like, oh yeah, God, my life is miserable. Yeah, it's like 110 <laughs> degrees and yeah. Oh, you're right, no. you're right. <laughs> but it's nice to think about. Mm-hmm. Do we know about any other calls? Because I haven't dug that far into his research, but I, the only stuff I was familiar with was kind of the predator-related mm-hmm. ones. Have we managed to decode anything else? Um, no, because again, ah. all of all of their other all of their other calls, like they they do chatter calls, they do the jump yip, at least the um, black-tailed prairie dog and the Mexican prairie dog. Um, they have like little social chatters that they do, where they just like just like constant like noise for like five seconds, and then somebody else will do it back. Um, so they're obviously saying something, right? Um, but without again that context, it's it's really hard to say what's going on. Just saying. So that could be saying a lot of stuff about us that we yeah. just cannot figure out. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Could be back talking to you every time you go out there and just don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> I just love it because it sounds like to our human ears, I guess, mm-hmm. syllables and consonants and that kind of stuff just sound naturally like a language. Yes. And so to realize that something like a can contain information that's yes. being conveyed is insane. Yeah. No, yeah. And and such, yeah, and it's, like, so short, and it's, like, a whole sentence. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's insane. I don't even know. Sounds too complicated. <laughs> Ooh, maybe in the future there'd be, like, jobs for Prairie Dog translators. <laughs> hey, do you speak Prairie Dog? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. That was really good. Uh, but, oh. yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just really fascinating. And it's it's a shame because... It doesn't seem like anyone else is really studying prairie, do- prairie dogs. Um, like ah. if, if you search prairie dog language, the only thing that comes up is Konstabajikov stuff. So I don't know why nobody else cares. Yeah, where's I all care. the rest of the interest? Yeah. yeah. Like it's – and all of his stuff is like fairly old. Like his book was published in 2009. Right. Like it's been a hot minute since then, just saying. And he actually is um, the director of the Animal Language Institute. Ooh. Um, which – I'm, like, very intrigued by. And if you go to their website, it's just, like, animals are much more complex than we give them credit for. And, yeah. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> um, like, it's just language, I feel like, is kind of one of the thing, one of those things that you can't be super scientific about. Like, you kind of yeah. almost have to you have to um, anthropomorph- anthropomorphize them a little bit. Right. Um, and, like, acknowledge that maybe they're doing more than we give them credit for. Like, without even giving them that chance, mm-hmm. then animals, you'll never figure out if they're actually talking or if they're just making noise. Because a lot of animals probably just make noise just to make noise. Yeah. Pretty sure my dogs just want to make noise to drive me nuts sometimes. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing, like, isn't language in the sense of looking outside of human language mm-hmm. kind of defined as information that's being conveyed by sound alone? Right? 
But then, like, how do we define that information? Yeah. Maybe when your dog is making a certain sound, if you played a recording of that dog back, Mm. I feel like I've seen studies that were trying to show whether humans could recognize the context of dog calls based on their sounds alone Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. um, That's some information. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like, our animals, like, our pets absolutely train us, like, to recognize (laughs) their calls. They do. Like, they've done studies where – and they do – what? They wanted a little baby spider. Oh, oh no. Did the Black Widow hatch? Oh, no. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're sitting in Todd's office recording, and uh, the Black Widow in here may have had babies. Yep, there's babies. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Can they venomate you in the next month? I don't know. Oh, my God. BRB. BRB. Big BRB. (laughs) I got the heebie-jeebies like crazy. We're just sitting here, and Nicole's like, oh, a baby spider on the microphone. They hatched, and we didn't even notice. <laughs> we knew that was going to happen, too, and didn't about it. I didn't think Told it was you guys. That <laughs> it's been in there for, like, two months. Don't tell anybody else. I mean, it's on the podcast now. Look at this little baby. That's totally a big black window. Oh, my God, they're all over the computer. Oh, I'm sure they are. Don't worry about it. It wasn't what we did. It's what she did. We're sitting here recording a podcast, and Nicole's like, "No, oh, there's a baby spider. The babies are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Can baby black widows envenomate you? Yeah, I yeah, I, sure. I bet you just crush them. I think them. they're hot, right out of the chute, just like a. Well, but like their fangs surely aren't strong enough to pierce human skin. Yeah, I mean, surely. They're... she says not real confidently. Well, push one against your skin. Let's find out. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. She's She's still alive. I have a check for something. I know she is. I was going to just throw the whole thing outside, but... I mean, we can do that. Yeah. It's warm. Don't! That's not funny. This is the original one that Nicole found. (laughs) Wait, where'd it go? It was on this right here. Hello! (laughs) That's so funny, you guys. Well, I don't want to look, honestly. It's kind of giving me to willies. Like, I'm not usually that kind of a person, but, like... Take a good picture. I'm going to post about on hatching. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We forgot about it. So, Rachel, you can yeah. have this office now. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that was your plan all along. Dang it. I, mean, I kept meaning to do to put them outside. Yeah. I just kept forgetting. Dang it. <laughs> I don't know why this is wigging me out so much, but I'm, like, getting full body hurt. I know. Good job, Mama. Well, there's just so many of them in here. There's so many baby widows on this too. Until so so you figure out whether or not they can bite, y'all be careful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, where were we? I don't know. Prairie dog. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about doggies, regular dogs, for a oh, second. Oh, lang- just language in general and yeah. defining animal language. Yes. Yes. Um, Man. So, years ago, <laughs> I read, I read a bunch of. Oh, there's another one. Oh gosh, they're everywhere. I oh, just keep seeing more. how many three that I can see from here. Oh geez, and we left all the podcasting equipment in this office, so of course it's covered in black widow spiders. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, okay, it's fine. I don't have full body goosebumps. No, it's fine. Maybe we we decided that probably they're too small to actually envenomate you, but who oh, knows? <laughs> <laughs> so. There was a study, like, years ago that I, I read about, and I have no idea who put it out, if it was a single person or university or whatever, 
But they were looking at um, dogs, like pet dogs and their owners, and like whether or not they could guess what that dog needed Mm. um, based on like live interactions as well as like recorded sounds. Um, And they could, like their owners knew exactly what they wanted, whether it was attention or food or outside or whatever. Like they guessed with like 90% certainty that that dog needed a very specific thing. But I based think just on sound or just based on sound, wow. like they literally like paid recordings and they're uh-huh. like, what do you think your dog wants? And they're like food. And you're like, yep, sure enough. It was begging for food. And that's just insane. Like our, our pets totally train us and each, um, there's one crawling across my notes. Um, <laughs> if I, like, if I was hanging out with your pet dog, Rachel, even though you don't have a dog, <laughs> yeah. um, I wouldn't necessarily be able to guess what it needed. Just like mm. if you came over to my house and you're hanging out with my dogs, you wouldn't really know as well as I would know yeah, what I they need. I have no idea what they want. I always know. Like, and even uh, my boyfriend of three years, he still doesn't quite get their language, but like, mm-hmm. I know exactly what they want. Just like, even them just like looking at me, I'm like, <laughs> you want food? And they're like, oh, and <laughs> freak out and go to their food dish. Like, uh-huh. But if I'll say like, do you want to go outside? And they won't do anything. Like it's, they actually wanted food like specifically yeah. at that point in time, which is crazy and like cats uh the little kittens they make that like really high-pitched mewling noise that is like it's like a a weird thing with people you feel the need to take care of them when they make that noise like it's tricking you into babying them oh no i'm i'm hearing one in my brain i am too it like makes me want to cry yeah yeah (laughs) i see it in your eyeballs (laughs) like i cannot stand kitten mews it just it like tears at my soul i'm getting goosebumps worse than the spiders <laughs> yes um but yeah like it's Ooh. where'd that one that was on my notes go oh it's gone it's, it is it's gone just mysterious oh there it is <laughs> <laughs> anyways just over there so you got yeah. a lot of animals yeah there's lots of, and i've always thought about like fish they're kind of dumb let's just be real <laughs> fish are dumb i agree completely but oh no did you hear that knocking? <laughs> oh, I totally did. I don't okay. think it was for us, though. I okay. think it was somebody else's <laughs> office. But. Um, but I feel like we just don't understand their language. Like, I bet they're not probably not necessarily using language as we think of it, but they're probably giving nonverbal cues, like weird tail flaps or, like, fin flaps. And there are fish that, like, actively will aggress towards each other. Like betas, they can flare out their little gills and look aggressive. Like, that's mm-hmm. a very clear communication saying, hey, I'm mad. Um, but there's got there's a difference between, like, communication yeah. and something like language where, mm-hmm. like, some kind of actual information. Yeah. And I, I feel like researchers have a hard time defining this line anyway. So yeah. it's a weird thing to talk about but like it's an interesting conversation because are betas that flare their gills out and Mm -hmm. stuff are they technically communicating information like how do we define what information needs to be because it seems to me like that's communicating something and so that are you still recording i want to see spider babies god dang it cassie (laughs) get in here there's one of nicole's microphone oh yeah Yeah. no it's fine (laughs) here there's one right here we heard a knock and we thought it was somebody else's office i didn't know the sign's always that. So oh, yeah. yeah. Or not. It's all good. Oh, Lindsay got some good pictures of them. Richard, yeah. Yeah. Did you take them outside? There's, like, a bunch yeah. all okay. over the place. Yeah, you can have some if you want. Yeah, Richard brought me the one. Yeah. Oh. There's two just right here on this stand. There's one on the computer. They probably won't find anything to eat. Oh, no. Yeah, they'll die pretty soon. We're 
Which yeah. sucks, but still. Uh, Six run. Oh, there's a whole bunch of them right there. Yeah. <laughs> there's like I a whole little web. Oh, they do have a web right there. Ooh. Oh my god, there's a lot of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ooh, right there. There. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight. ten. Yeah. <laughs> They're so Gosh. cute. They're everywhere. Oh my gosh, I didn't There's know it would so like, emerge that soon, but I guess it's warm enough in here. They probably yeah. didn't know yeah. seasons. And one yeah. of them was had been in there for quite a long time. Yeah. Like yeah, it was in there you, before Todd left. Right. So it had been a while. I just, time goes so fast. So you just came in and there's just like a bunch of them everywhere. We didn't notice until partway through the recording and Nicole was like, oh, look at this little spider. I was like, look at this baby spider. And then we started like, looking around and we were like, oh, everywhere. God. <laughs> we were like, oh, wait God. a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. It's pretty. There's funny. a lot of screeching on this podcast track mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna have to be heavily edited. <laughs> nah, it's fine. <laughs> we'll just leave all half of furry this. dogs, half oh, black widow freak out. Yeah. yeah, you know what's definitely staying in there. Are you still recording or can I see the babies? Oh, Cassie, fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you're so welcome. Hey, if you want to take about 10 babies, you can have them. Yep. Oh, you know. Good luck keeping them inside something. <laughs> yeah. And give them something to feed them. Yeah. Spring That's true. Yeah. Know. I have no idea. Do you think there are spiders in my Dr. Pepper? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But anyways, back to prairie doggies, because they're the best doggies. Yes. Um, we, talked, we talked a little bit about this, um, just their population declines and all that fun stuff. Um, but I found this paper by David Wagner and Associates. Ooh. Yeah. Do you recognize that name? No, it's just, just a excited. new name. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I'm excited because it's something new. <laughs> Sorry. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so his paper was called Persistence of Gunnison's Prairie Dog Colonies in Arizona, USA. Um, and this was published in 2006. And they were looking at, it was part of a really long survey, and they found that, I'm, I'm just going to read the whole quote. Do it. Just, yeah, this is a quote from their paper. Okay. Technically from their abstract because paywalls. But uh. <laughs> most 70% of colonies became inactive between the initial and recent surveys with colony extinctions spanning our study area. We found little evidence that the reduction in active colonies was due to poisoning, recreational shooting, or habitat conversion. Rather, direct and indirect evidence suggest plague is the primary factor negatively impacting Gunnison's prairie dog populations in Arizona. Whoa. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. That surprises me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And I actually, I, I dug a little bit deeper and I was looking at some other studies looking at population declines and most of them attributed it to the plague. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Is it both forms of the plague? I'm not sure. Okay. And it could just be that, you know, they got down to the population that they are now due primarily to habitat loss and land conversion. But now the po- the, the populations that we do have, right. um, you know, they're just being, again, decimated by plague. And, mm. you know, people do shoot them recreationally, both legally and illegally. Right. Um, but ultimately, that's not – they don't shoot enough of them to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also interesting because they don't have that many babies, like each year so i don't know how they come back from things like this like how many babies do they typically have like, like two each each year each year each, 
Yeah. Each prairie dog has two pups. Yes. In an entire year. In an entire How year. How on earth do they replenish enough to be such a big, like, hot potato? I don't know. Hot. I have no idea. Wow. So, Baked potato. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, I have no idea. It was, I found this, uh, this article that was looking at, like, three different species, and all of them, on average, had about, like, it was, like, 1.8 to, like, 2.4 pups. So, wow. Yeah. And apparently they can have up to eight pups. Like, I read that in a couple different sites. Okay. But, but it's not that usual. Must, yeah, it must be super rare to have that many. Um, Interesting. And nearly half of the pups that are born are lost to predation. Because right. they're just tasty little snacks. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't understand how they ever come back from plague or shooting or anything like that. That's insane. I guess, historically, they were just in such big numbers in the first place yeah. that... It didn't matter. But that still seems like <laughs> totally unsustainable. Yeah, it's it's wow. ridiculous. Historically, they lived in huge towns. Um, and it's generally the black-tailed prairie dogs that live in the really, really, really big towns. Um, the other species live in fairly small family groups versus okay. the black-tailed prairie dogs. Uh, their towns can be anywhere from like half a square mile to the largest one that was found in Texas that was 25,000 square miles oh that's like a metropolis that's not a town anymore i know wow that's like literally a third of the size of the entire state of kansas jeez yeah that's bigger than a metropolis <laughs> that's bigger than a county that's like uh, that's wow ridiculous. <laughs> that's a like, province yeah <laughs> holy smokes i know like i can't <sighs> even fathom that and admittedly i'm sure it was like an estimation. Right, you can't. But it was probably conservative. It was a conservative estimation at 25,000 square miles. Golly, that's insane. And they estimated that there was about 400 million individual prairie dogs inside this colony, which is 400 million. Okay, just making sure I heard you right. 400 million. Yes. That's the population of countries. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's bigger than the population of of the U.S. Do you think in terms of, okay, sorry, going back to Mm -hmm. like prairie dog languages, do you think that basically is a prairie dog country and that they have like their own little individual dialect of a language? Kind of like a Scandinavian language in the Scandinavian (laughs) countries, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I mean, it's way bigger than any Scandinavian (laughs) country, but yeah, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, but... That's crazy. I bet, like, from one side of the prairie dog town to the other, they had different, like, dialects. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like the United States of prairie dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, like, I can't even fathom those numbers. And I was tr- I was trying to figure out some way to, like, break it down to, like, something that made sense to human brains. Mm-hmm. And if you laid them all out nose to tail, oh, you laid out God. 400 million prairie dogs, they would wrap around the earth ten times. <laughs> Over 10 times. Did you calculate this, Nicole? Yes. You are such a freaking nerd. (laughs) I love you so much. You calculated how many times the prairie dogs laid nose the tail could wrap around the earth. Because, like, you see that all the time? (laughs) 10 times exactly. Over 10 times. Over 10 times. But 10 was a nice even number, so it's easy to remember. That's That's so many prairie dogs. so many prairie dogs. Because, like... (laughs) I don't know. It's just a fun way to think about it because I see that comparison with like elephants or like people throw away so much trash, like all the water bottles would wrap around the earth X amount of times. Uh Prairie dogs, nose to tail, 10 times around the earth. How many earths away from us is the, wait, how many, wait, yes. How many earths away from us is the moon? Could you like climb a ladder of prairie dogs to the moon is what I'm really asking. (laughs) 
I don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> She's going to do some quick maths. I'm not going to math it out. <laughs> I'm just going to look up how many Earths fit between the moon, the moon and, the Earth. and us. Yeah. <gasps> Is it a spider? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. I mean, I felt a little sting, but it could have just been psychosomatic. Oh. We'll just keep an eye on that spot. Okay. Oh my it's God. fine. <laughs> Did you just crash it? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. It might have bit me. Okay. <sighs> Todd. It's fine. And his grandchildren, I'm going to send him an <laughs> aggressive text. Do it. I mean, technically it's my fault because I was in charge of them. Oh. How many Earths? That's not fit. I'm texting Todd. Your baby widows hatched. Yes, we forgot about them. <laughs> yes, we discovered them during a podcast because they're everywhere. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, you could fit all the planets between the Earth and the moon. All of the planets? All of the planets. Oh, my gosh. So, I had no idea. I thought the Earth, the moon was way closer than that. So did I. And that's why we're not astronomers. <laughs> <laughs> we are, however, biologists. And we know that prairie dogs are 12 to 14 inches long with yep. a 2 to 3 inch tail. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, jeez. Uh, but, yeah. So there's that. They used to live in very large towns, I guess, is all I really wanted to say about that and we got so much more than that <laughs> like that was amazing okay <laughs> keep going Thanks. tell me more why else are prairie dogs cool why are prairie dogs cooler than tree squirrels nicole i guess we've already talked about I it mean, but like also i don't know anything about tree squirrels oh that's fair i do know that they have no facial expressions or do they they don't are you sure? Yes, they don't have the musculature for it in their Maybe. faces, so they use their tail and body language instead. <laughs> there was a whole okay, deep fine. look episode about this, man. It was great. <laughs> okay, I believe you. I believe okay. you. I was just trying to make like a philosophical, like maybe they're communicating in ways we just don't understand. Well, but then you just scienced me, so yeah. never mind. Science! <laughs> oh, I have a random fact for you that Ooh. I found. Okay. Apparently... They molt, so they molt twice a year. They, like, replace all of their fur. And that's really important for, like, birds and mammals and everybody because it keeps you looking fresh um, and it keeps you nice and warm. Um, but they molt twice a year. In the spring, they molt from head to toe. Aww. And in the fall, they molt from tail to head. <laughs> I don't know why. I just found this fact. They didn't explain anything about it. Oh, but for some reason, they don't always molt head to toe, or which is what I would expect. That's that's but, so weird. Yeah, that's the most random fun fact I've ever heard, and I yeah. especially appreciate it just for that reason. <laughs> that's like Thanks. the most useless information. It's so useless. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I got. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you think if um, we had a bracket of the five species of prairie dogs, which of those prairie dogs would emerge victorious at the end? The champion of the prairie dog tournament. Do they all work together as a species? Are we oh, talking? Yes. Okay, well, not individual prairie dogs because oh. there's oh. so many more of them. <laughs> I didn't mean like a giant like <laughs> gang up of every member of the population, but That's I meant why like I asked. a representative group of the like. It doesn't have to be an individual against the others. They can work as a team because that's what they do best. Mm -hmm. They're team players at heart, obviously. But still, the other ones are small family groups versus like. Nieces and uncles and grandparents Metropolis. and everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, black all of the other ones, I believe so. Yeah, black-tailed oh. prairie dogs are the only ones that live in like 
big towns that like we typically think of as prairie dogs living in. Right. Um, and black-tailed prairie dogs are just, I think they're just the most researched and they're the most talked about. Probably so that's, they are the most widespread. Yeah. yeah. They're everywhere. And they, we've seen huge declines in their numbers um, compared to some of the other ones. So, um, but I will say that the sun's in here somewhere. Why don't I label things instead of just writing full sentences in my notes? Because it makes sense while you're writing them. I mean, does it? Oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so the black-tailed prairie dog is the most researched and has we've seen a lot of decline. Like right. they used to be all over the U.S. and now they're like in a very small area. But um, the Gunnisons has been multiple times um, petitioned to be recognized as a threatened species, mm. um, both at state level and a federal level. Um, the black-tailed prairie dogs, the Colorado. Um, a special concern animal. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like Kansas. We have sink species. Species um, in need of conservation. Yes. Um, but Colorado, they just have like special concern. This okay. The equivalent kind it's of. It's like they've been flagged for review, but they're not threatened or endangered technically yet. Yeah. So it's it's something that we see these declines and we need to do something about it before they get to that level. Yeah. And for um, the record, because um, I didn't know this for a long time, mm -hmm. the state's do have their own separate endangered and threatened lists yeah. that can differ slightly from the national list. So federal protections are kind of extend across the nation, obviously. <laughs> yeah. but, but a state, if they have a, a species in their state that's of special concern, they can add it to their own threatened and endangered list, right? Yes, yes, yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah, and um, just because, like, sometimes, like, the Arkansas state – what? No. <laughs> Um, the Arkansas dar darter yeah. in Kansas is not threatened anymore, um, but in other states it is. Right. So even though, you know, it's everything's connected, streams are all connected, like technically we don't have to preserve them in any way in Kansas, um, but they do downstream, which yeah. is weird. Um, it is pretty weird. Yeah, it's very strange. You but think we just like all work together, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's only if it gets federally listed. Then, but that's what's it's supposed a big deal. to make us work together. I guess. Yeah. The Utah and Mexican prairie dogs are federally um, listed as threatened and endangered. So Utah is uh, threatened, and Mexican is uh, endangered. Okay. So they do have some protection behind them, but the others do not so okay. much. They've been petitioned though. Yeah, they've. Like, every single species has been... Of like, prairie dog. Yeah, of prairie dog has been brought to, you know, the powers that be. And then the powers that be are like, eh, they're doing pretty bad, but not quite bad enough. So try again in a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. But it seems like with so many states having just, like, basically open season all year round mm -hmm. on prairie dogs. And um, in Kansas, it's legal for the county to come in onto yeah. your property and force extermination of prairie dogs on your ranch or whatever mm -hmm. if if they don't like the way that you're treating your own land. Yep. And so having a federal listing would interfere with a lot of those local regulations, yeah. which would, I'm, I'm sure, cause a huge uproar, even anytime it's considered. Definitely. Absolutely. So. And even getting it listed state would, like, never happen. <laughs> like, no. the only no. way they'd ever be protected would be federally Yeah. Um, at this point. At least yeah. in Kansas. I don't know about yeah. other states yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but based on the climate toward prairie dogs here in Kansas, yeah, that would never happen. Yeah. Which, Which is, is sad. Sad. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, well. We'll mm -hmm. just keep installing artificial burrows, I guess. 
<laughs> like and hearkening back to the oh. David Wagner study, like seventy mm. percent of their study sites were inactive or just gone. God, that's like, insane. What period I think, of time was that? I think it was like a twenty year period. That's so, so short. Yeah. And that's not that's one of the ones that's listed federally. No. Wow. Yep. <laughs> this is depressing. You got some like more Sorry. like Ooh, useless wait. fun facts for me? What? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here's one that people really like. Um to so again, plague is one of their <laughs> biggest things that they have to deal this with. Is great. Plague. Plague. <laughs> okay, really uplifting. Go. Um so plague is a really big deal with prairie dogs. It sucks. Um but to combat this, oh sometimes Fish and Wildlife employees will fly helicopters and shoot M&Ms laced with, like, anti-plague drugs into prairie dog colonies to help them, uh, what's the word? And Survive. Yes. It's, what is it? Develop immunity. Immunity, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like they're giving them a plague shot. But Via with, M&Ms. Yes, but with M&Ms. And it's amazing. That is truly the best. It <laughs> makes me happy. Now, they're not doing it for the prey dogs, though. We should clarify. Yeah. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing it for the prairie dogs. Well, I guess technically, yeah. They're doing it for the prairie dogs to preserve an actually endangered species yeah. that lives Black alongside them. Yeah. But, yeah. They are they are vaccinating the prey dogs specifically, so. Mm. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's adorable. It's, it's not, like, actually M&M's, but, like... I've seen it called that in several different forms. Yeah. And it's it's like a really cute way to like make it relatable right. to the average person. You can so. instantly visualize what an M&M is being yes. chucked out of prairie dog. <laughs> yes. I love that it's like from a helicopter. Like just like, <laughs> yes. I don't, do they just have like bags and they're just like pouring it out the side? Like I've never seen like that part. They I always was string a t-shirt can yeah, to be honest. <laughs> like just like, boom, and there goes like a bunch of M&Ms. I thought that too. <laughs> But like, yeah, I don't, oh. I don't know the exact method of delivery, but they always mention a helicopter, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so oh. yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. It's really effective too, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. Um, it's expensive though, so because of know. the helicopter, I don't know. Oh, okay. Probably, it's definitely an expense, <laughs> <laughs> and probably just like uh. instead of like catching a prairie dog and giving it a shot, you're just like. Here's a couple thousand M&Ms. Hope you eat one. Like, yeah, it's not super effective in no. that way. Like, but other animals <laughs> can get the plague too, like mice yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so definitely. Maybe it has other good effects. Yeah. Can you overdose on plague vaccine? <laughs> That's a great question. I have no idea. Because if it's like made for a prairie dog and like oh. a mouse eats it, it, might not be great. Well, I know our vet Ooh. gives our. Oh no, baby spider oh on my Rachel's God. mic. It's on my mic. Hi, baby. Oh, you have a whole web. Have you been there the whole time? <laughs> Probably. Um, oh, I know our our vet gives the kangaroo at the same exact dose of rabies vaccine really? as the possum and the bobcat get. Huh. Dang. I know. I felt really bad for the kangaroo because that was a lot of fluid under her skin. <laughs> And I was like, what? Why? That doesn't seem right. And she was like, well, they have the same number of cells, so they need the same number of vaccine. And I was like, huh. interesting. Yeah. 
So I don't know anything about me either immunology or astrology or anything. So (laughs) I just know things about prairie dogs. Astronomy. Astronomy or astrology. Yeah. Um, Hard same. God, we're going to get hate mail for this episode. Oh, but prairie dogs are the best. They're so Anything else you want to toss into the prairie dogs are awesome and you should love them campaign. I don't know. They're just, I don't know, they're, they're just fascinating. They yeah. really are. If you ever get a chance to, like, go to a prairie dog colony and, I don't know, interact with them from afar and just listen to them and watch them communicate with each other, it's it's really, really cool. And if the best you can do is go to the zoo, then that's cool, too. But try to find, like, a wild colony. There's, there's several all over the place in Kansas. I know there's some at Quivira National Wildlife Refuge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen them just out in western Kansas. If you go to Colorado, the Gunnison's prairie dogs are everywhere out there. Mm. Um, but there's some in yeah. Hutchinson. Like, yeah. they're around. Yeah, they're around. Um, I don't know if, like, a map of <laughs> colonies exists <laughs> anywhere, but... I don't know. If you're in the like Wichita area, though, I know we've got listeners from way outside Wichita, but um, yeah, Quivira is a good place to go. And bird watching pro tip: Holy smokes, there goes a baby spider. Where is it going? <laughs> it's just repelling up it's, to the ceiling. How did it get up there? <laughs> I don't know. Did it send out a thread and just like catch the? Oh, that's not even my spider. That was nope. a different one. Huh? You know how like they'll put up little like silk webs and yes. like electrostatic? Is that what you were saying? Yeah. That one time, yeah, and it carries them off. Is that what just happened? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, fun fun fact: spiders oh. don't fly using wind; they fly using like electricity in the air. Again, I don't know that kind of science. Physics is not my strong point, but it's something about electricity. Nicole is just constantly blowing our minds with this kind of stuff around here, and I'm very <laughs> happy we have an outlet for her to also blow everybody else's minds yes. who yeah. don't get the privilege of having to work with her. <laughs> oh, I like how this spray dog episode turned into like Spiders side too. note spider facts. <laughs> Spiders uh, are cool. Don't squish them. Yes. Name your basement spiders. Name your basement spiders, please. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I was just going to say that um, because so many animals like to use prairie dogs, mm-hmm. not just for their tunnels, but for yeah. their blood and flesh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, prairie dog towns are a great place to go bird watching. You can oh, see yeah. some really cool hawks and golden mm-hmm. eagles in certain parts of Kansas. Yeah. and Burrowing owls. Oh, heck, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, ferruginous hawks like to hang out on prairie dog towns in Quivira. So, yeah. yeah. Good, nice. Good place to look for lots of other critters. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And it's just fun seeing an animal that's active in the daytime because so yeah. many of our Kansas animals are just like sleep all day and then prowling when it's pitch black. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It makes me happy to see them. They're so funny. That jump yip gets me every time. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. I love it. Why are all my episodes just obnoxious noises time? <laughs> Best Beatles. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know how our prairie dog will do that when you go into, uh, I was going to say her office. <laughs> when you go into the wildlife exhibit uh-huh. office. Yeah. If you do that to her, she'll answer you and it's Aww. really cute. She scared the bejeebus out of me <laughs> when I walked in there and she just started screaming at me because they're so loud. It's like insane. when you're close to them, gosh, they're loud. <laughs> it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. I do wonder if, you know, the reason that prairie dogs in the past, like 
stayed fairly stable until they started losing uh, habitat and all that stuff. And now it's really hard to keep a colony growing and they're declining so quickly um, because those groups are smaller. So again, that safety in numbers thing where Mm. if you have 400 million prairie dogs, it's hard for anything to sneak up on them. Right. <laughs> They're going to do really well as long as they have that space and have the food availability. But if you have 30 prairie dogs, you know, it's a lot easier for someone to sneak up on them. And if like 10 of the females get taken out, that might be a significant portion of the population, especially yeah, they, the breeding population. Yeah. So and they can't replace themselves very fast. So yeah. They're... Yeah. Two to three pups a year is not going to do much. Um, but yeah. That's really sad because it kind of implies that now that they've gotten to such low numbers, recovering from that could be way more difficult than it seems like it should be. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Hmm. And with with any species, you kind of get down to a number where scientists eventually are like, it's probably not going to recover. And prairie dogs aren't at that point. There's still plenty of chance for them to get better. Um, And we've had a lot of amazing success, success stories across the Great Plains and across the world. So... It's not that all hope is lost, um, but I think definitely changing the um, some of the stigma against prairie dogs is going yeah. to be really important, um, and just educating people about how awesome they are, like we're doing with this podcast. Yay! So. <laughs> yeah. If just a few more people had prairie dogs as one of their favorites, yes. maybe we could make the environment a better place for Everybody. prairie dog-loving critters, like yeah. plovers. Yeah. And everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, literally everything else, though. Yeah. 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 They are a keystone species. Like, yeah. they're very important. If they if they disappear, they're going to have a huge impact on the surrounding yeah. plants, animals, everything. Dude, did you hear um, – I feel like we've told the story before. So, if you know it, you can take over and tell it if you want to. But, like, on Tallgrass Prairie National Preserve, because they have bison there and mm-hmm. prairie dogs – when they had those fires a couple years ago. Oh. Yeah. Did you hear about this? No. Okay. So somebody came and spoke at one of our Senior Wednesday events and told a story about when those wildflowers were sweeping through Kansas the recently. The wildflowers? <laughs> the wildfires <laughs> <laughs> were sweeping through Kansas recently. Um, they had both cattle and bison on their properties. And they had prairie dog towns. And cattle just have no idea what to do with fire. And so I know like there during that period of time, the fires were so bad. Like there were were pictures of cattle just grazing when the fires feet from them. Like that's crazy. It's horrifyingly sad. But anyway, it killed all the cattle uh, at tall grass. But what was crazy is that the bison instinctively moved on top of the prairie dog town. So guess what happened when the fire reached the prairie dog town because they mowed it down so far either slowed way down or completely when it, it like extinguished itself because it didn't have anything to feed on yeah exactly yeah, that's so really cool they escaped the fire that killed every like head of cattle on yeah. their property because they had that like instinctual historic relationship with the prairie dogs there yeah. and were able to take cover from the fires and survive that's amazing i know it's like so cool i mean there's so many relationships out there that are not super visible Definitely. under every context and so there's so many situations like mm-hmm. that where who knows how many things have been affected by 
the lack of prairie dogs. Yes, yeah, and and it has been documented that whenever fire does go across a prairie, um, like animals will go down inside of prairie dog burrows to Ugh. escape that fire. Like yeah. not even just sitting on top, but actively going underground, escaping that heat and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and the fires in Australia, uh, wombats also make huge burrows. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. They have square poop and they make huge burrows. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Um, and so they have found like these wombats actually shepherding animals into <gasps> their burrows. That sounds like a cartoon that cannot be real. It is. I like have oh. goosebumps because like that's so oh. cool. And like even when they weren't actively, you know, being like, hey, come over here. Like animals were taking refuge in those burrows, just like animals in the plains in the United States take refuge in prairie dog burrows. You guys, so, Nicole's legitimately so cool. getting emotional right now. I have to call it out every time I see it. So here I am calling out her Misty red eyes. eyes. <laughs> it's just so cool. Uh, like, and it's a shame that, especially in the U.S., that they're just they're just not here anymore. And yeah. I guess the prairie's not here either. So. Mm. Um, did you know that Tallgrass Prairie is most like well is one of the most yes. um, endangered ecosystems in the world? Yep, four percent of it is remaining, and I've seen estimates as low as like two percent of its historic historic range is still here, and a lot of that Golly. is in the foothills of Kansas, and it's yeah. because there's a bunch of rocks, so we can't till it. Yeah, um, like that's the only reason we still have Tallgrass Prairie, which and that's is terrifying yeah. now because like we have more advanced technology now and so yeah. those stones are actually i think destroying the flint hills now because yeah. people are i don't know what the word is bulldozing excavating yeah the limestone from like the quarries and stuff yep. yeah yeah mm -hmm. and so now the thing that saved it is possibly going to yeah. cause even more degradation yeah and it's so sad it's so sad oh, golly but it sucks that like one of the things that makes prairie dogs so vilified mm -hmm. um, by people is the thing that made them so valuable yeah. to the ecosystem. Yeah. They're burrowing and mm -hmm. they're trimming the landscape and yeah. fertilizing nice mm -hmm. fresh green sprouts. Yeah. And like they, even when they're digging, they're also just tilling up that soil and making it, breaking it down so that uh, plants can get all those nutrients. They're, oh, right. They're aerializing the soil. Like there's so much that those burrows do. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. They're so amazing. I love them. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's kind of like a humbling, I guess, to yeah. think that we really, truly can never understand mm -hmm. just how impactful they were because we're never going to be able to find every single variable that got unraveled when we pulled on that thread. Don't sad. cry, Nicole. Don't <laughs> cry. Holy crap. This wasn't supposed to be a sad episode. Well, you're just talking about how, like, we'll never know because it's all gone. And well, that's sad. But, like, it's not, it's not too late. Like, no. we still have these small pockets of the plains that are relatively untouched. Um, we just have to, we have to do something about it. And we yeah. have to be proactive and protect these lands. Um, otherwise, they will be gone forever, and our great grandchildren will never see a prairie. Yeah. And like, yeah, living in Kansas, which is always just called a flyover state, if you like actually live here and you take the time to explore the prairie, it really is beautiful. Yeah, like it's so diverse. There's so many different plants out there, and so many different wildflowers, and all that stuff, and animals, and birds, yeah. and just like it's alive. It it's really is full of life. Yeah. You like, have to look harder yeah. to find it than you do in, like, a rainforest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just a shame that it's not yeah. more 
widely respected and loved. Genuinely upsetting to yes. me because I, mean, I obviously am totally <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think a lot of us here at the Great Plains Nature Center have a similar just passion doesn't even seem like the right word. Yeah. But just love for the prairie ecosystem. That needs to yeah. be its own separate episode though. It does. It really does. <laughs> We're all gonna have to fight over who gets to call it their favorite. Maybe yeah. we could just have like a massive yeah. Prairies are our favorite yeah. episode where we Why all just... Why do you like prairies? Yeah. Why do you like prairies? Yes. Yeah. We can go around a circle. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That would be amazing. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to do it sometime. <laughs> That'd be a fun live show, too. It would. Ooh, that'd be really cool. And, like, get, like, audience participation, too. <gasps> yeah. That'd be really cool. Oh, can we all sing Home on the Range together oh. at the end? <laughs> I would cry. I'm crying just thinking about it. Me too. Dude, you want to hear something real stupid nerdy? It's Kansas Day this week. And so I think we're all kind of like amped up on like home feels. But um, one time I did a Kansas Day program where we led like the audience in the song of Home on the Range. And then I tried to sing them the second verse and I had to stop in the middle because I got choked up. (laughs) Oh, no. That's adorable. It's good. Okay. Well, happy Kansas Day week. Happy Kansas Day. (laughs) We're a state still. Yep. Yep. And we're pretty cool. Please stop calling us the desert. (laughs) Yeah. Please stop calling us a flyover state. Yeah. Deserts are super cool. So, yeah. Stop calling us a flyover state. Stop dissing feelings. Any ecosystems. Because if you're dissing an ecosystem, it's because you don't yet understand how awesome it is. Yes. Okay, so it's it's not your fault. You just haven't been exposed yet. Yeah, yeah. So let yourself be exposed to us. <laughs> wait, let us bite you with the venomous. Wait, what's let us infectious? In, oh yes, let us infect you with Kansas love. <laughs> Le, yes, let us infect you with Kansas love. <laughs> it's only a little contagious. It's only a lot contagious. It's a lot contagious, but it's not very detrimental to your health. Yeah, it's going to make you better. Because you're going to go outside more and just enjoy life. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Fight nature deficit disorder firsthand. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Check out our show notes. Yep. Um, Nicole's going to be putting her show notes on the website, gpnc.org slash, that's, no apostrophe, hyphen, my... (laughs) favorite um if you want to you can shoot us an email at my favorite at gpnc.org or you know stalk us on our website and find our individual emails and just like send nicole a message and be like hey you ding dong i love prairie dogs too they're super dope if you want um thanks to our producers the great plains nature center who we work for and uh we're gonna be back in a couple more weeks with even more favorites because everything's our favorite okay bye Hey, Nicole, can I tell you a fun fact? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely told you before, but I learned it and I can't stop thinking about it whenever prairie dogs come up. So when prairie dogs kiss, yeah, they are known to touch tongues. I just wanted so you to gross. know that prairie dogs French kiss <laughs> to say hello to their friends and family. Uh, thank That's you. all.